I just could not stop crying. I was so overwhelmed and just overjoyed. And even for my husband, like, you know, to to see the first time go so horribly to this amazing birth, he was obviously just so happy and ecstatic. And um, just in that moment, all I could think was just the word redemption. Like, this was my redemption birth. Welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. everybody welcome back to the birth journeys podcast today we have shelby on to share her stories with us hey shelby thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories hey thank you for asking me yeah um so why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself um so my name is shelby um i'm 24 right now um uh with i have two girls um avea is five and blair just turned eight months yesterday so where did you, your birth journey begin? Where does that, what does that look like for you in your life? Um, so my husband and I got married, we were just 18 and Avea was a honeymoon baby and mm-hmm. I am the oldest of eight kids. So I always wanted to be a mom. I, you know, I wanted a big family. Um, I nannied a lot. And so when I got pregnant with her, I thought I knew everything that there was to know about pregnancy and birth. And so um, with her pregnancy, I really didn't have a whole lot of issues like at all. It was pretty basic. Um, I moved from New Hampshire down to North Carolina. My husband was in the Marines at the time um, and I was five months pregnant. Um, And I had you know, pretty basic, um, prenatal care. I went through an OBGYN down there. Um, and so I didn't take any type of, you know, birth class. I didn't try to educate myself at all. Like I said, I thought I knew everything. So, um, when I hit 40 weeks, you know, they, you know, were checking me and I, you know, still was, they were like, oh, you're only one centimeter dilated, um, you know, nothing crazy. And then when I went in for my 41 week, um, they asked if I wanted to be induced just because I was late. And I said, yeah, because I was obviously sick of being pregnant Mm -hmm. in Southern heat. Um, so they had scheduled my induction. Um, my mom and dad flew down and I, went in and they started the Cervidil for 12 hours and, you know, they totally got my hopes up like this, you know, sometimes you just need this and, you know, it'll kick you into labor. And, um, 12 hours later, the doctor came to take it out and basically told me it wasn't even putting correctly. So it was like the most uncomfortable night sleep of my life. And 
that was when everything went downhill. Um, they started me on Pitocin and broke my water right away. Um, I wasn't even, I wasn't even in labor on my own. Um, and so I labored for, I think it was 13 hours. Um, the Pitocin, they cranked it up all the way. Um, and I was contracting, but nothing was happening. I wasn't dilating at all. Um, and it, you know, then they started to, and I don't want to say scare tactic because obviously I know it's totally necessary in situations, but they were throwing out, um, for a C-section. And at that point, obviously I was completely miserable that I didn't care. I just started to get, you know, overwhelmed and scared. And once, once I was scared, you know, and now that I've learned my body just completely stopped, it wasn't, I was totally working against any contraction, anything trying to get her out. And, um, so at this point I, you know, I had an epidural, obviously that was slowing things down as well. Um, and so then I, all of a sudden I started to feel completely sick to my stomach. Um, a bunch of nurses and doctors came in and they threw a mask on my face, which I didn't know what it was. It was just oxygen, <laughs> but I was scared <laughs> to breathe because I didn't know what it was. And Aww. they put me on my hands and knees. And, um, then, you know, they were saying, um, that her heart rate had, you know, had dropped a lot. And so, um, I just, it was so, it was so traumatic. And then I all of a sudden spiked like a 103 degree fever, um, and I had no clue what was going on. Um, and then all of a sudden, when I was on my hands and knees, I felt a water trickling like up my chin. Um, they were squirting water back into me because um, basically what had happened is they she popped my water and then um, my uterus just got dried out. So she was stuck essentially and it created this infection um, called amnionitis. Um, and it only happens in like 2% of births in America. Mm. And, um, so it was, it was just awful. They had direct ice packs under my knees, under my armpits, on my neck, trying to cool me down. Um, I was still only like six centimeters dilated. Like, so at that point, obviously to me, a C-section just sounded so enticing and, Mm thankfully and I I thank my mom to this day because my mom was there um she's had eight kids and she stood up for me totally got mama bear and was like (laughs) unless mom or baby's in distress like you are not giving her a c-section and even to like she says like they were completely rushing me um you know just treating me like like you know they just that hospital you know in a military town they have so many babies that it's just so like basic, like standard procedure, just try to get moms in and out. Um, so they had gotten, um, me stabilized. They got Avea stabilized. And, um, then there was a shift change and, um, a new doctor came in and, um, I don't remember her name, but she came in and, you know, figured out what was going on. Um, so what she did, which, Like, even looking back, I'm just like, it's just crazy how, I guess, uneducated I was. But she stopped the Pitocin, 
um, and then sat me all the way up. Because at this point, I literally had just been laying like flat down, you know, on my back. Um, so she sat me all the way up and um, said she wanted to give my body a break from the Pitocin. Um, and then she put sugar water through my IV, um, which I have, I had never heard of that. My mom hadn't mm. either. Um, but I went from five centimeters to nine centimeters, um, wow. in like 30 minutes. Um, that is crazy. Yeah. So I, you know, like completely felt like, you know, hopeful again. Um, and so then they started the Pitocin again. Um, and then my, my cervix still was not completely effaced. And so she, and I still had the fever, um, at this point. And so they had, um, she asked me, she's like, do you want me to hold down your cervix and give me a push? Because she was like, I think once we get this baby out, like your fever will break. Um, so I said, yes. And so she held my cervix down. I pushed and her head slipped over. So basically they were like, this is go time. Um, so I started pushing and, um, I pushed for 40 minutes, which they told me after for a first time mom that that's not um, or like, that's pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. while I was pushing, I hyperventilated and actually blacked out. Um, and while it was weird, it was like, I was, when I was blacked out, I just remember thinking like, I don't feel anything. So I'm just going to push as hard as I can. Um, and I did. And I think the way that I did it is definitely why I teared really bad. Um, mm. and so she came out and my fever did break, but pushing with a fever and ice packs all around you is not enjoyable at all. Not that it's mm. enjoyable, but it was horrible. Um, so they came out and, you know, it was that amazing moment. And I definitely like once she was on me, it was so emotional. And I had that like, holy crap, like I just did this feeling. Um, she had a wicked cone head because <laughs> she was stuck for so long. But um, I was like, okay, great. Like now this is, you know, she's here and, you know, she's going to latch and we're going to go home tomorrow and everything's going to be fine. Um, and then that's not what happened because um, the infection that I had passed on to her um, oh, so she, there was stuff that was off with her, um, I guess her red cell count. Um, and I don't know if she had a fever, but they, um, my fever, um, it did break when she came out. Um, but then the first time they pushed on my stomach, I had blood shoot down to my, almost my feet. And so they put me back on Pitocin and, um, she did not want to latch, um, very well. And then the nursery people came in and they were like, we need to take her to the NICU. Um, and I think especially for your first, you know, you, you don't think about anything going wrong. You just think like, this is the start of my family and like everything is just going to go so well. And you don't, you don't even realize like 
you know, stuff might happen and you don't get to just go home. Um, so she was in the NICU for about a week. Um, and you know, so the first time that I, you know, I went, I remember going down there and she just, you know, she had wires on her and it just, I went from this, like such of a high moment to just low, just so quickly. Um, and also at this time, I had no idea what postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety was. Um, and so I remember I think the third day in the hospital, my husband just looked at me and he was like, how are you doing? And I was like, fine. Like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, how are you doing emotionally? And just the way he asked that question, because what he didn't know is I was laying there wanting to die. Like I, mm-hmm. I just remember holding her and she was so beautiful and so perfect. And I did not want to be there. And I remember like this feeling of like, holy shit, like I'm a mom and I'm not ready. Like, I don't know what to do. And this was horrible. Um, and I don't know why I don't feel amazing, you know, and obviously I'm posting pictures of her and, and in my mind, I was not there. And so I just burst into tears and, um, you know, he, he obviously, I mean, we were 19. He didn't really know much of anything either. Um, and so we went home from the hospital after a week, um, once she was fine, but obviously when she was in the NICU because of the infection, she had a lot of antibiotics that she had to go on and I had to go on antibiotics as well. Um, but then we were home and I was like, okay, this is, you know, we're in our own space and this is great. Um, and then that, that just sick feeling just did not go away. And within the first month, you know, we had both of our families visiting and I thought that that's what I needed. Like I needed people, especially because we were living, you know, away from both of our families. And, um, so I just was like, this is what I need. I need to be around people. Um, and you know, when they would leave to go to their hotels, I just had that feeling and I just cried. (laughs) And I just thought like, is this, normal. And then I remember talking to a friend and she was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I cried a little bit. So then I thought like, what's wrong with me? Like, why, why am I feeling like this? And then Mm. at all her, you know, the, my postpartum checkups, um, I, I honestly was, and you know, to, I guess to someone who's been through postpartum, they can relate, but to people, that don't know, you know, I, I genuinely thought if I told the truth on those forms, like CPS was going to take my child. And so mm. I lied on all the forms. Um, and I just remember the first year of her life, like panic attack after panic attack. Um, I couldn't sleep ever. Um, I remember one night my husband shaking me and telling me I needed to just, I needed to sleep and I couldn't. Any noise she made freaked me out. I, and like, even when I, I look back, I, you know, when I look at like my Instagram posts from, from that time, and if only I could, like, if only I told the truth, like I, I just thought like there, there was something wrong with me and I guess I had to fake it till I made it kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So my husband, he was in the Marines for five years. And I do know that that obviously played a huge part. Um, you know, he was gone a lot. Um, and so starting our family like that, you know, our marriage and just parenthood in general, um, it put us through a lot and it put me through a lot. Um, and I did not get any type of help until Avea was two. Um, I finally, I, I reached a point where I was like this, like, I'm, I'm going to end up in a mental hospital if I don't get help. And, mm. um, you know, my husband, he was so encouraging and, but I obviously, I know that like, there was a lot for him too. Like, you know, for his wife to go from, you know, one, one into the other kind of thing. And, you know, and, and even the more that I have, you know, I follow a lot of birth trauma pages and they talk about that for, for a man, for a husband, you know, it almost, it, it affects them too. Like their, their start to fatherhood, um, you know, was traumatic as well. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I ended up going on medicine, um, when she, I think was two and a half, um, and I started counseling and I remember after like a couple months and he just was like, you, like, you're just happy, like you're happier. And, um, and I felt just happy. (laughs) I felt like I was just (laughs) was like, I can't believe I, um, I didn't do this for so long. And, um, but because of, and I mean, I, I could write a book of everything that I thought and felt, um, you know, from the moment I had Avea until for years, just, uh, but I did not think that I wanted any more kids. I did not think that I could go through that again. I already felt like, I just don't know why God made me a mom. Like, I don't understand Um, I remember even, even when I was in therapy, like I I felt embarrassed to share some of the thoughts that were in my head because I just really felt like, I guess I was a lost cause and I, and I don't understand why God made me a mom because I, I really felt that inadequate. And, um, and so we, you know, he obviously was like, I would love another kid, but we're going to wait until you're ready till you feel um, that you, you know, that you want to do this again. Um, and so then (laughs) she was almost four. Um, he was transitioning out of the Marines. So it was already a stressful time. Um, you know, with that transition and I, um, after I had Avea, my periods and everything were horrible. Um, I had gone on birth control for a while. Um, because I was so scared to get pregnant again and did not realize how awful um, they are and, and can mess with your hormones the way that mm-hmm. it did. Um, and so, but my my cycle was awful. And I mean, that that's a whole other issue, but I ended up having a hysteroscopy and a DNC because um, there was polyps in my uterus. And so they were like, we're going to do this um, procedure and you know, hopefully it'll fix everything. Um, and so I had it done and then I wasn't getting my period. And so I called and they were like, well, you know, your body's probably just adjusting to a new cycle. 
And I was like, okay. And I always have pregnancy tests at my house. And so I just was like, I'm just going to take one and see. Um, and it was instantly two lines and I hyperventilated and I, I freaked out. I was so scared. All of those feelings just came rushing back. And then I felt guilty for not being excited and especially just you know, there's so many women that struggle with infertility. And I found out I was pregnant, like I should have been so happy. But all of that fear just came completely rushing back. And um, so I told my husband and I just kept saying, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And he was like, this is, it's going to be different this time. Like he kept saying that like, it's going to be better. It's going to be different. And so Once I grasped, like, okay, I'm pregnant, and the start to her pregnancy um, was a bit rocky because I was having really sharp pains um, on my left side, and um, I went in, and, you know, they confirmed I was pregnant, but I was so early that they couldn't confirm it with an ultrasound, Um, so then they started to throw out, you know, is it molar, is it ectopic, Um, so I was going to... Uh, the OB there every two days. Um, and then finally, you know, once I got far enough along, they saw, um, you know, they saw the yolk sac and they basically were like, yes, like you are pregnant. Um, and there is one baby in there. And then I, I really was so excited, you know, Avea had been begging for a baby sister or a baby brother for, you know, years. And I, realized in that moment though like once I saw that tiny little circle I just remember telling myself like I need to like I need to educate myself like this time has to be different and um so from that point on I listened to podcasts religiously um I watched YouTube videos um because of COVID it was kind of hard to find any type of birth class um but Honestly, even just, you know, because I know financially a lot of people, you know, I couldn't afford a doula or anything at the time, um, but there are so many amazing just like resources um, for free that you can utilize. And um, and I think to, you know, to have your husband or your partner um, also be educating themselves as well. Um, so he would, you know, watch the videos with me and... Um, so we moved down to Florida um, on the Panhandle, and I um, transferred to an OBGYN that had a midwife. Um, and I really did my research before finding um, where I wanted to go to because, again, like I just was like, everything is going to be different. And um, so I found a midwife here, and she was just such a blessing. She was phenomenal. And I, you know, for me, I liked going through like an OB with a hospital um, birth, but I also wanted more of that natural perspective. And I really wanted a midwife. So I really lucked out um, that, you know, this practice had that um, opportunity available. Um, And so again, like my pregnancy, with Blair was pretty routine. Um, there really wasn't any type of issues. And, um, then I went in at 37 weeks and 
they did an ultrasound just to, you know, make sure that everything was good. Um, but her stomach measured 7%, um, which then put her, they gave, they diagnosed her with intrauterine or asymmetrical intrauterine growth restriction, um, which meant an induction. And my midwife knew that I was trying to avoid induction at all costs. Um, so I started crying and I just was like, obviously the health of my baby was the most important, but I just was so upset because I really did not want to be induced. Um, and she knew that. And so, um, they scheduled for her induction, um, to be at 39 weeks. Um, and so she basically gave me homework and she was like, you, are going to do all the things. You're going to have all the sex, all the walking, the curb walking, um, you know, things that have, have been proven to help your body. Um, and like I said, because of everything that I was doing, um, I had like a chart of when I started um, drinking red raspberry leaf tea, um, eating dates, um, doing like inversion lying, um, all these things that I really didn't do with my first pregnancy. Um, and then I, you know, like on Facebook pages, I was asking other women, you know, what helped them. And a lot of people recommended the gentle birth. Um, and so I started that, I think at 35 weeks, um, I found a chiropractor who she specialized with, you know, pregnant woman. And I really, I mean, obviously at, you know, that big, like it felt amazing anyways, but I really do think that that made a difference to keep, um, my pelvic floor and my hips and everything aligned. Um, mm. so I, I've always like since then have recommended that to like my friends and stuff. And so, you know, when she checked me, you know, she was like your body, like I was only like, you know, one centimeter and maybe, 40% of face. So nothing, I wasn't, my body was not ready. And so the one thing she told me she did not want me to try was castor oil. Um, and I know that there's a lot of mixed, um, re like reviews and research on that. And so up until that point, I hadn't, I hadn't tried that. That was the one thing I didn't try. Um, so it was Thanksgiving weekend. Um, we had, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. And then my parents flew down to watch my, to watch my older daughter. Um, so the morning of the induction, um, I, it was, I was 39 weeks and I think one day and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try the midwives brew. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that or if you've heard about it. Um, but it's, castor oil, um, some type of juice, uh, some type of green tea and almond butter. And so upon like doing my research, the really the most important is the castor oil, um, to stimulate your bowels, which stimulates contractions. And then the almond butter helps it to stick to your intestines, um, to, so you're not just, you know, pooping. <laughs> and yeah. so I, you know, and my husband was like, I just don't know. And I was like, I just, I need to just try it. And so 
I made it and I just did half the amount of castor oil. And, um, so I drank that and then I drank, um, something with like a lot of electrolytes. And then I did the mile circuit. Um, are you familiar with that at all? Um, yeah. Okay. I've I've heard of that before. yeah. Yeah. So it's just like the three positions, um, and it takes about an hour. So, um, you know, we had had everything packed and so I, had that drink and then I came in my room and just put on my, um, birthing meditations and I did the mile circuit and I was like, well, we'll just, we'll kind of just see what happens. Um, so then I, at this point I hadn't even gone to the bathroom. So I, you know, looking back at the almond butter, I guess really helped it. Everything stick. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, so we got ready, we got in the car and I was like, let's go to Starbucks and get kind of like my, you know, we'll grab something to eat and then get dropped off. And as we're driving, I, my stomach was feeling weird and I just was obviously like, there's no way like that worked. And, um, but then I kind of started looking at my watch every time it happened, my stomach was like getting hard and I felt crampy. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, did this work? <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. you know, because of, I was induced with the VA, I had no idea what that felt like, like to just have contractions. Um, and so my parents dropped us off at the hospital and I, my midwife was out of town cause she went out of town for, um, for Thanksgiving. And so, you know, they had the same plan, like to do the Cervidil for 12 hours, um, because she was like, your cervix really needs a lot of work. And so we got up and we got checked in and, um, my nurse was about to start. And I just said, um, you know, I, I don't know if maybe this is in my head, but I, I feel like I might be having contractions. And so she was like, well, you know, let's just check you and see. And so she checked me and I was three centimeters and 70% of face. And mm. I was like, oh my gosh, I was so happy. I was <laughs> freaking out and I was like, oh my gosh. And so then they hooked me up to the monitors and she was like, yeah, like, you know, you're definitely like your body is going on its own. And I, oh my gosh, I was so happy. And mm. so they, she called my midwife and my midwife was like, well, um, I still want the Cervidal, but just for six hours and, um, and wait until midnight because I need to be there. Cause I was like, I'm not having her with anyone else. Like she needs to be there. And so, um, so we kind of were just hanging out in the hospital or in the room and, um, my husband went and got like dessert and we were like, this is, you know, this is awesome. And so we went to bed and my nurse was like, I'll come in at midnight um, and put it in and then we'll take it out at 6am. And so I was like, okay, like, sounds great. And so we went to sleep and she woke me up and I told her, I was like, please make sure it's in there. Right. Because with my first, apparently the nurse didn't put it in right. And she was like, oh, I'll make sure like it's, you know, good to go. Um, so she put it up there. And so I just thought because of last time that, you know, I'm just going to go back to sleep and, I'll wake up and they'll take it out. Um, and that did not happen because I, you know, I was already in early labor on my own and that really kicked things into gear. And I, 
for the first from like, I remember from like 12 to two, I was like getting annoyed. Like I was like, why can't I just fall asleep? Like, why does this hurt so bad? And I wasn't like admitting to myself, like you're, you're like in labor. And, um, so I didn't want to wake my husband up. Cause I was like, this is dumb. I'm supposed to just be able to just sleep. So I finally woke him up and I was like, this hurts. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And, and so then the nurse came in, she's like, no, like it's working. She's like, I told you I put it up there like really well. And so, um, that was like, wow, like this, <laughs> this hurts. And so, um, one of the best things that I had packed, um, was a massage gun. And, um, I didn't really have back labor, but just my husband keeping it on my back, it almost like it distracted me from the cramping in the front, I guess. Um, Mm. and so we, from like two to four, um, that was the only thing that gave me relief and, um, everything that I had, you know, read and watched, I really just tried to put that into play. You know, I was on the ball. Um, I, you know, was sitting up, I was moving around everything that I did not do with Avea. Like movement is everything like gravity. It's like so common sense. And I just, you know, so it was like so different. And my midwife and my nurse, they both, um, they both knew about my first birth and they literally like, they had this pact that they told me they were like, this time is going to be better. This time is going to be amazing. Like, and to have that someone like working with you and not against you, um, is everything. And I think, Mm. you know, for people that, you know, like me who want to deliver in a hospital or need to, um, it's your birth. Like, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people think I can't, like, I just have to do what they tell me. I have to lay how they tell me. I have to push when they tell me. And that's not true. (laughs) Like it's your body. And when you're aware of that and you're in tune of that, like it changes everything. And, um, so my night nurse, um, they, she had like three births going on and it was like, you know, three, four in the morning. And, um, so a different lady had actually came in to check me because, you know, the stupid monitors, they kept slipping and she started to get rude with me. And, you know, she was like, it's because you're moving around so much. And and when you're in pain, like, you don't really care what you say. But I was like, yeah, I'm moving around because I'm, I'm listening to my body. Like, yeah. and I'm, I don't care if you have to come in here every 30 seconds to, you know, if you want the monitor on, like, that's your job. But like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move how my, how I need to. And Mm -hmm. so that was my only complaint. Um, because, and, and I did, you know, the head nurse had talked to me and she did apologize for that because, but like I said, I, I could have just sat there and been like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm just going to try to not move or not listen to what, like what my body needs me to do to like be more comfortable. Um, but no, like it's, this is my birth. (laughs) And, um, so then at, I just remember at four, like feeling like, Oh my, like this hurts. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so then from four to six, I was able to close my eyes for a little bit. Um, and then at six, my nurse came in and took the cervidal out. 
and I requested a room with a tub. Um, and because I didn't do any type of like shower or anything with my first and honestly, like every single night of my pregnancy with Blair, I took a bath. Like I was the only way that I felt comfortable. And so that was definitely something I wanted. Um, so luckily that's where they put me. Um, and so I labored in the tub and my husband just had the shower head and just held it on me and it felt amazing. And I labored in the tub for honestly, just as long as I could, as long as I felt good. Um, but that was very relaxing for me. Um, and I sat on the toilet for a while and, um, just really tried to breathe and obviously work with my body as much as I (laughs) wanted to just clench up. But I really, everything that I, you know, I was listening to podcasts and music and, um, you know, I had my diffuser going, like I really just made that room, like my bedroom, everything that I wanted to bring. I, you know, I brought it all in there and, um, because she had the diagnosis of, um, growth restriction, um, that's why they wanted the constant monitoring. Um, but they did like, let me take breaks for, you know, when I went in the bath and, um, when I was on the ball, um, and so then the, um, my nurse came in and when I was getting out of the bath, she helped me over to my bed and (laughs) I just remember she was like asking about putting my gown on. Um, and I just, I was like, no, thank you. I just want to be naked. Like, I just didn't want any clothes on me. I just wanted to just lay on the bed and she kind of got like, oh, okay. But again, I, I was doing what I wanted to do. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I just laid on the bed and, um, then the anesthesiologist, um, was there and I did opt for an epidural. Um, so she came in and, um, they put that in and there was one hot spot. Um, but like, it was nothing for me to like, like I, it didn't bother me. Um, and so, um, once that was in, obviously I couldn't really move the bottom, um, half of my body. And so, um, you know, my nurse knew I, I just needed constant shifting, constant movement as much as I could. And so, um, every 30 minutes, her, and my husband would take the sheet and flip me like I was a fucking mm-hmm. whale. And they just, <laughs> you know, would shift me back and forth. And um, then she sat me up into like the throne position. Um, so I just had my knees just completely laid out and um, was just sitting straight up. Um, you know, and she kept asking, like, do you, you know, do you feel anything? Do you feel any to push? And I was like, nope, everything was pretty numb. I didn't honestly like feel anything. Um, and so I know a lot of people, you know, they, they say once you have your epidural, um, you can't eat. Um, and obviously this is, I don't know. I don't know. Like I know people, um, you know, they'll, whatever they feel comfortable with, but like I did my research and I, to me, it was way more beneficial to feed my body um, you're doing like the most extreme workout, like your body needs that fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and my midwife had even told me like, you can eat, <laughs> like you can eat, um, 
while you're in labor. And, and I think too, with my first, I was going on 24 hours without food. I had zero energy. I think I had one popsicle that whole time. Um, and that makes such a difference. Like you, Uh you need food. And so, um, one of the doulas that I followed on YouTube, you know, she had a whole list of, um, foods that she recommended either to have in your house or to bring. Um, so I had crackers and Lara bars. Um, I brought my dates, um, just a lot of like high carb foods. And so one of the nurses, you know, she, she was like, do you want a popsicle? You must be hungry. And me and my husband, we just looked at each other because I was eating the whole time. (laughs) And, um, so I was like, yeah, I'll take a popsicle. Um, so, um, yeah, so I just kept snacking and, and eating food and, um, you know, they asked me, they were like, do you want us to break your water? And my midwife, she was very, she was just so, I mean, I just can't, she was just so awesome. And, and because that was the whole reason why I had developed the infection with Avea, um, I was so nervous about my water being popped, um, Mm. by them and not on its own. Um, and so my midwife came in, she was just so like empathetic with that. And she just said, I don't need to, if you don't want to, but where you're at, she's like, I like, I think it would help speed things up. And in that moment, it felt like a gamble. Um, but I, I really did trust her. And so I said, let's, you know, go ahead and pop it. And I think I was six centimeters at this point. Um, so they went ahead and popped it and, um, and we both were just like, you know, cause they kept saying the same, you know, like this baby's going to be out by this afternoon. And, you know, we both were like, we heard that before. Like, so we on, I was expecting to be in labor literally that whole day. Um, the 29th, I thought like, I'm not going to have her till tomorrow. Um, and so it was just me and him in the room. Um, like I said, my parents had my older daughter and, I wanted my mom, you know, when I gave birth again, but I just was like, there's no point for you to come. Like I'm, I'm only six centimeters. Like, you know, you don't, you don't need to come here yet. And so we were sitting up and, um, we were watching one of, I forget her name. I think it's Bridget Taylor, but she's on YouTube and she's fantastic. And she had, you know, a video, of, um, you know, with, pushing techniques and everything like that. And so, like I said, I couldn't feel anything, but I was like, just kind of pushing. Like I wasn't even really trying. I just was like, Oh, maybe I should just practice a little bit and kind of just make sure that I'm good to go. Um, and you know, everything with me was still good. Everything with, um, Blair was still good. Everything was completely fine. And, um, so we were, I was sitting straight up and we were watching the video and I just kind of kept doing these, you know, I guess fake pushes. That's what I thought I was doing. Um, and so then I, once it had been 30 minutes, my nurse came in and was like, do you want to switch positions again? And I said, yeah, um, I was use, using, uh, the peanut ball a lot every time I was on my side. Um, and one of the things that I had, you know, communicated with my midwife was that I did not want to push in the typical pushing position. Um, Mm. and I was very adamant about that. Um, and I think 
And if you really go down the rabbit hole of like why they like, it's all about convenience for the doctors and the nurses, Mm -hmm. not what's best (laughs) for mom. And, and knowing that, like, it just almost angered me. Like even it was almost out of Mm -hmm. spite that I didn't want to push like that. Um, (laughs) cause I was like, I want to do what I want to do. And so, um, I, so my nurse came in and she was like, why don't we, um, put you back on your right side? So she lowered my bed, you know, she asked again, you know, do you feel like the need to push or anything? And, um, because I had that hot spot, like it was actually a, a blessing, honestly, because I could, I could, I could tell when I was contracting, um, which was obviously awesome. And at, at this point, um, I had no Pitocin, like my body had really gone on its own. And I think if I can say anything to, you know, if women who, you know, for me medically, I needed that induction. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, with Pitocin, I mean, someone described it as Satan's liquid and <laughs> could not agree more. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's awful. Um, and so with that second time around, like it, it can be, you know, it can work with your body if you're actually in labor. If your body's not in labor, like it's all, it's just all false, I guess, that feeling, um, those contractions are not your body doing what it needs to do and what it's ready to do. And so, um, at the, you know, I was just so glad that I did not need any Pitocin at this point. Um, and then she was like, do you want to start a low dose, um, just on like the two setting? And I think it does go up to like 20. Um, and she was like, it's barely going to be anything. And, you know, cause I had my IV, um, so I said, okay, I'll do just two, but that's it. Like nothing more. Um, and so they had started that. And then, um, when she came in to flip me, she was like, do you want me to check you? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So she went, went to check me and she was like, girl. And I was like, what? She was like, you don't feel anything. And I was like, no, I don't like down there, I did not feel anything. I could feel the top of my stomach um, having contractions, but I did not feel anything. And she was like, she's right there. Like, she was like, I can see her head. And I Aww. I just was like, I was just six centimeters. Like, how? Like, literally, like, 45 minutes ago, I just, I, I it was like that, oh, my gosh, feeling again. Like, I, and I just was so, I was just freaking out, so thankful. And so <laughs> then all of a sudden, I, it was like adrenaline. I got like the wicked labor shakes because I, I was so excited. And I told my husband, I was like, quick, call my mom. Like, I want her here. And so luckily my parents were driving around. Otherwise, my mom honestly would not have made it because <laughs> all of a sudden my midwife, um, she came in the room. She got everything set up. And, um, you know, the um, – Nurses from the nursery were there um, because of her diagnosis. They wanted to be ready in case anything, like, you know, was wrong with her blood sugars. Um, And so I got into the position that I wanted to push. It was on my back, but the way that I was angled was not, I guess, like the typical angle. Um, I almost was like a little bit more like still 
like laid back. So it wasn't so, um, like of an L shape. Um, and so, um, it was like, it was just insane how fast it was. And so my midwife came in and then all of a sudden my mom ran in the room and I remember just saying like, I want pictures of everything. Like I want everything captured. I just really wanted to just see it all. And so she was like, why don't you give me one push? And my mom took a picture at 2.51 of kind of everything, my pushing starting. And because I pushed for 40 minutes again, I just was like, you know, this is going to take, you know, I mean, everyone says, you know, your second or your third, like everything does go faster, but that's not always a one size fits all. And so I was like, I'm probably going to be pushing for at least half an hour. Um, so I did one push and then I started laughing about something. I, cause I just was like shaking. I was so happy. And my midwife told me to keep laughing because I guess the way I was laughing was literally pushing her out. Wow. Um, and so <laughs> I just started laughing and from the time my mom took that picture at 2.51, she was out at 2.55. Um, I didn't even put, like, I just was laughing. Like I felt like an idiot, but it just happened so fast. Um, and she was like, okay, catch her. Like, here she comes. And it was all of these, like, it was, I mean, birth after a traumatic birth, like it's you, it's like, you just, you can't believe it. Like, it's just, everything seemed way too good to be true. Mm. Um, and all of that, all of that feeling, all that fear and anxiety, everything that I had felt, just the disconnect I felt, it all just went away. I, I reached down and um, my midwife, it was kind of like we both grabbed her and she, I, I put her on me and, you know, she was crying right away. And I just instantly started sobbing. And, you know, in the pictures, it looks like... <laughs> Like I looked like I was like in so much pain, but I, it was, it was just everything being released. I was so Mm. just overwhelmed. And it was like this feeling of like, like birth can be beautiful. It can be amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, to experience that, I just was like, this is so just was too good to be true, I guess. And, Mm. um, I don't, I just, I don't know. There's just no words. It's just, it was so incredible. And I just could not stop crying. I was so overwhelmed and just overjoyed. And even for my husband, like, you know, to, to see the, the first time go so horribly to, to this amazing, you know, birth, he was obviously just so happy and ecstatic. And, um, just in that moment, all I could think was just the word redemption. Like, this was my redemption birth. This was, you know, and I, and I had prayed so much like, God, please just give me an incredible birth. Like I, I want that, you know, what, when moms talk about that really just empowering feeling, like I want that. I want to feel just connected to my baby. I want to feel, I don't want to feel scared. And, and I didn't, and Mm -hmm. everything, it just, it almost seemed like, wow, like everything paid off. And, um, and then 
you know, the nurses from the nursery were looking her over and pretty much right away said um, that that diagnosis was false and she was perfect. She was, um, I forget the term APA or AGA, it was like appropriate gestational something. Um, but basically, she was perfect size. Um, they did do one test for her blood sugar um, to make sure because they had told me that it was going to be this a lot of pricking, a lot of um, testing her blood sugar before and after every time she ate. Um, but she was, you know, she was fine. And um, so even that, like, it was just like, wow, I have mm. this healthy baby that I get to just, you know, take her and, and go to um, mother and baby and and just connect and not have wires. And um, it just was incredible. And um, wow. so then, you know, the placenta came out. There was no issues with that. And, you know, even I had said I didn't want the cord cut right away um, and my midwife and, you know, she knew that. And so she waited for everything to stop pulsating. And, she, you know, once she said, you know, like that, everything was done. She went ahead and cut the cord. Um, my cord was extremely long. And so, which it was funny because even during my pregnancy with 3d ultrasounds, like she was, Blair was always just up against the cord. It was so long. And so thankfully it wasn't around her neck or anything, but, um, I had my mom like take even pictures of like uh, my placenta and there was, um, I guess, calcification spots on it, um, which she said, you know, at that time when they got that um, measurement, it could have been because she wasn't getting enough or I don't know. So, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we, we looked at everything and I, it was just, even for my mom, my mom was like, she had eight kids and she was like, I've never even looked at my, any of my placentas. And so we were like studying it and it was just, it's just so crazy. Like, wow, that like nourished her for nine months. It was just insane. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we got, um, transferred to mother and baby and, um, even with breastfeeding because everything went so badly with the veil. That was another thing that I, again, like I did my research on and, and looked into, um, because I wanted it to go better this time around. And it did. Um, she were eight months still exclusively breastfeeding, um, which has just been such a blessing for me to, mm. you know, and obviously I'm, because I had to do formula, formula with Avea, like firm believer in for, fed is best. Um, but I'm just so thankful that it's gone the way it's been going. Um, so once we got to mother and baby, um, you know, everything checked out, everything went, you know, she was good to go. And I just to have that, um, it, it was just incredible. And so my midwife, you know, she came in and I just could not thank her enough because to just have someone just like I said, working with you, not against you. And Mm -hmm. listening to you and, and putting you in, like putting you in charge, um, is everything. And, you know, it's funny because one of the nurses was like, you must be starving and ready to eat. I was like, yeah, (laughs) I'm famished. (laughs) Please give me food. (laughs) Um, and Mm. so, um, 
so we were, you know, in the hospital for just kind of the normal amount of time. We could have gone home. Um, I think it was like the very next night, but by the time everything was like ready to go, um, it was like nine o'clock and I was like, I'm not leaving here at nine. <laughs> I'll just go back to sleep and we'll leave the next morning. And, um, when I did my, all my check-in paperwork, um, I, you know, she had asked kind of how like I was feeling emotionally, mentally, and I had depression throughout this pregnancy, which definitely sucked so much joy. Um, and I think that's why, you know, it was really hard to like combat those feelings of fear and anxiety of, of transitioning from one to two, because I just, I was so depressed and so nervous for that transition. Um, and so they had asked me, you know, if I wanted to go, um, on the anxiety medicine that I was from before. And I said, yes. And it's not for everyone, but I know for a fact that that that's what I needed. Um, and literally, so the night I gave birth, I went back on it and, um, I know it's because I, you know, had such horrible postpartum. I was like, I can't do that again. And Mm. medicine, you know, it worked for me. Um, and I, a huge advocate for it because it can be, it can just change those first few months. Um, you know, they're hard enough already. You're sleep deprived. You're, everything is just leaking and hurting. And, um, so I was really glad that, um, I went right back on that and we came home from the hospital and I was happy. And I, you know, I, I had my moments for sure. Um, feeling overwhelmed and the baby blues and, um, we don't, um, at the time we didn't have, um, we had just barely any family where we live. Um, you know, but there's nothing like having your mom. (laughs) And so, Mm. um, you know, when my parents had to fly back to New Hampshire, that was really hard for me. Um, you know, I just was like crying and I was like, I don't know what to do. And she was crying and she was like, you, you got this, like you, I promise, like you'll, you'll figure it out. And, um, and having that the first couple months, you know, was, I had her on November 29th. So it was Thanksgiving and then Christmas and New Year's. And I just had said, like, I didn't want any visitors. Um, and for me, you know, I thought with Avea, like I needed all those people around, but I really think that that like just made it worse to like, just try to like go right back to being, you know, every, like everything's fine. And, you know, like I didn't just push out a human. And so Mm -hmm. this time around, I was like, I am not going to do anything if I can help it. Um, I am going to just rest. And I did. And it was phenomenal. Um, the amount of time I bled was cut in half from my first time because I, I didn't push myself. Um, you know, and it's hard when you, you know, your baby's a few weeks old and you you are starting to feel like, Oh, it'd be so nice to like, just go out. And Mm -hmm. obviously every mom is different. But for me, I was truly like, I did not do anything, um, Mm -hmm. if I could help it. And, um, so I only bled, which I know definitely varies for women, but I only, I think bled for five weeks this time. Um, with Avea, I bled for eight. So it was, 
you know, I know that I had to just listen to my body and, Mm um, and even just, you know, breastfeeding, just going the way it did, um, you know, was just life changing. Um, and so, yeah, like those, you know, the first couple months, you know, just transitioning to, um, being a family of four and, um, just everything, you know, with even for, you know, if you have one kid already and, you know, adding a new sibling, it can always kind of be, you never know how they're gonna go. Um, but I think that it helped a lot of a was just, she was a big help and she was so happy. Um, and another thing that I, you know, loved about having more of uh, midwifery care was, they didn't wait six weeks to, you know, check in on you. She had me come back, um, at two weeks and then four weeks and then six weeks, um, to really just, you know, check how physically I was. Um, and that was the other thing I forgot to touch on, but I did not tear, um, which was, I honestly thought like, how could I, how could I not tear? Like I had a pretty bad tear with Avea. Um, so I just was like, how, how can my body like not, not tear? Like it's already had that yeah. scar. But, um, again, I think really everything that I was doing, um, you know, the tea and the dates and having chiropractor care and, um, you know, I did the perennial massages, um, and even just the way I was pushing everything that I looked into on how to prevent tearing, um, I think paid off because I did not tear. Um, and so, but just even having that more of a constant, you know, every couple weeks checking and not just like, oh, we'll see you in six weeks, you know, like moms need, moms need care. Like they need, you know, there needs to be more of, you know, checking in on the mom. And, and Mm -hmm. so I, you know, having that like really did, um, change postpartum for me. Um, so yeah, so Blair, she's now eight months old. And I just honestly feel every day like I needed, it was like I needed her. I needed that. Mm-hmm. I needed a, another baby and to, and just the way that everything went to like really appreciate motherhood um, and to feel confident. And so, yeah, that's kind mm-hmm. of my, my story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it's such a testament to um, just what being a self advocate like it makes such a huge difference, you know, like and I yeah, I just I can't like scream that from the rooftops enough, like advocate for yourself, like do your research, like you don't have to do everything the doctors say, right? you know, like you can make decisions, you can decline things, you Mm -hmm. can choose which interventions you want or don't want, you you don't have to have any, or if you want them, then that should be your choice. Right. Um, But yeah, no, like you said, in your first birth, you just felt like things were just done to you. And that's so common. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's just kind of the norm. And it really... We need more stories like this mm-hmm. um, shared so that 
it becomes normal for women to go in and say, no, thank you. I don't want that. Or, you know, if you have a crabby nurse, oh, I don't want that nurse. Like, I would like a new nurse, please. You know, whatever it is that, you know, because those things can affect us and Mm -hmm. they, they don't just affect us in the birth space. It goes on to affect us long term. For sure. And, um, yeah. So when we can change our mindset and go in knowing like I'm in charge and I think it's so beautiful that you had such a great and open relationship with your midwife Mm -hmm. because that's so important too. Like Mm -hmm. if we don't feel like we can talk to our provider and, you know, tell them our fears and the things we're worried about and have them, you know, really understand and support us. Right. That makes that makes like such a huge difference as well. Like, yeah, I actually had a different, um, midwife. They, they, they have three there. Um, and the first one I saw, you know, I had heard a lot of great things about her and I actually didn't really like her. I, her personality, I didn't really mesh with her. Um, and that was when I switched to the one that I had, um, continued with. Um, and even one of my appointments, you know, like I said, I mentally was not in a good space during my pregnancy. And I didn't say anything because I, I guess I just thought, well, what, what is she going to do? Um, and mm. so when I, you know, I had brought it up and obviously my emotions got the best of me. And she was like, why didn't you say anything? Like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't, I don't want to say like, I didn't think she would care, but like, I, I honestly didn't really think that she would care. And she, she got emotional and she was like, I'm here to serve you. Like, this is Mm. your pregnancy and your birth. And like, I am here to serve you and, and to help you, you know, with whatever you need. And, you know, she, you know, then recommended, you know, she, um, I didn't personally want to go on, um, medication during my pregnancy. Um, but she, you know, she offered a lot of natural um, ashwagandha and just a lot of other natural um, things for me to try. And, you know, and then that was something that she would check up, you know, every every visit I had, um, you know, that was something then once she was aware of, you know, she she made sure like that I was doing okay and that I was good. And even just for her to say that, like, I'm here to serve you, like, mm. you know, it was like I felt bad, <laughs> like, but no, like that's, you know, and that changed even how you know kind of how I even treated my appointments like that that's right like I'm not a burden to them you know (laughs) like this is their job like this is what they want to do this is what they went to school for and so that you know that made a huge difference as well yeah yeah definitely oh it's beautiful it's it's so not common yeah yeah (laughs) so I'm so glad that you had that and um I I think even just how you said, you know, you didn't really click with the first midwife and, you know, you kind of had to go with another one. Like, that's totally fine, too. Like, if you don't click with your doctor, your your midwife, whatever, like, it's totally okay to say, you know what, I'm going to actually, like, find a new provider. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you may even have to go to a different hospital. For sure. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, it's and it's not ever too late. I've heard of women literally switching at thirty-seven weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I'm done. Like I can't, I can't do this. This right. guy is not the right person. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. So awesome. I hope. I think that a lot of people are going to be encouraged by this because this is something that needs to be talked about, and it's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, I I never knew like myself. Um, until I was pregnant with my second daughter that, you know, you could 
you know, advocate for yourself in this way. And, um, I, I was so thankful for so many of the birth stories I heard Mm -hmm. that where the woman, you know, shared these things and it totally changed everything for me. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing, you know, all the things you learned and were able to implement and make that second birth, a really beautiful redeeming experience Mm -hmm. because it, it, it's out there. <laughs> it yeah. can happen. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's what I, mm-hmm. you know, when I, because I felt like even just sharing like a birth, you know, when you are a mom, <laughs> you always just get on the subject of your birth. And I hated sharing it because I, I, it felt so, um, you know, just like horrible. Like no one wanted to mm-hmm. listen to that. And, and like you said, it, it does affect into, into postpartum, into motherhood, mm-hmm. you know, I, I felt that for years, like I, there's, yeah. I don't want to do that again. And, you know, and, and I'd be missing out on, you know, just even to seeing my girls, like, you know, their sisters and to have that relationship, like I, I would have missed out if I had just kept, you know, not gotten the help I need and, and just kept letting fear, um, take over. And, mm-hmm. you know, so for sure, like if anyone's listening, if you've had a, like there is there's hope, there is light, there is beauty after, um, birth trauma and like, it does exist. And Mm -hmm. the biggest thing is, like you said, like educate and advocate for yourself. And, you know, if you obviously feel more comfortable with a hospital setting, it can be easy to just try, you know, almost like be a student and feel like you need to just listen and ask, like you take over, you know, you're, you're in charge. Um, and because that it's, it's such a, it's a huge, um, event in a woman's life. Um, I actually, when I, one time I had read that, um, women that were, you know, in their seventies, eighties, um, that had been diagnosed with, um, Alzheimer's and dementia, the one thing that they always remembered was their births. Wow. And I was like, that's crazy. Like that goes to show how much it affects a woman, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. Yep. So. 100%. It lives with us forever. Yep. <laughs> so we got to make sure that we, we do our best to do our part and do what we can to, to make those right choices and, you know, have the best outcome that we can. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you mentioned that you did a ton of education. Um, I know you mentioned one, um, Bridget Taylor, but was there anybody else specifically that really sticks out in your mind that you felt like, um, you really learned a lot from? Um, so definitely, I mean, honestly, her channel, she, she has everything like from, um, even just trying to get pregnant to motherhood. Um, she was definitely a huge resource. Um, and I know, I mean, obviously, there's so many different podcasts. Um, I have a list somewhere, but I, I don't, I have to find it, but, mm-hmm. um, definitely like, you know, and, and there's different style birth podcasts, you know, like some like yours are stories, but then there are some that are more just, um, tips and tricks and everything. Um, and so, but I think like, you know, there's so much free resources out there and utilize them. Like they're, they're there for a reason. Um, and I know even like I said, I, um, I did the mile circuit. Um, if you look it up like mile circuit full video, there is a full 
um, I forget the lady's name, but she has the full circuit done, um, with like calming music and everything. So, um, yeah, it's, there's just so much stuff out there (laughs) that, um, you know, is good to, to utilize. And my last question that I always ask is if you could say one thing to a first time mom or maybe a mom that, I mean, I know you kind of already touched on this, but a mom that, um, has experienced birth trauma, um, just pretend like you're talking directly to her. And what would you say to her? You can have a better birth. You, yeah, like there's, there is hope and Um, if you're feeling like how I felt, um, you know, I felt that way for years, like truly like, why am I a mom? Um, why did I, why did I do that? Why did I get pregnant? Um, it, it, it gets better and Mm. you really can just educate and advocate, I guess are the two biggest things that I can say. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. um, don't, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself, listen to your body um, you know, and do, do what your body is telling you to do. Yeah. Yep. That's so important. (laughs) Cool. Do you have anything else that you want to add or do you feel like you, you covered everything? Well, I think I covered everything. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and sharing. And I can't wait to see the impact of your story. I know it's going to touch a lot of people. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast and you can connect with us on social media at birth journeys podcast for more information or to share your own story. Please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.